Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So back in the uh, Middle Ages, they were pretty creative with some of their torture techniques. How about that to start off a Sunday morning? Um, I can't, I don't know how it came across this, so don't ask me, okay? I don't, I don't know how I, how I have found this, but um, I, I found one, came across one particular torture method that was fascinating to me, um, not because of what it did, but because of what they called it, but uh, they, this particular torture technique was preferred by the French, go figure, I don't know why, I just felt like a French joke made sense there, and so, um, no offense, any of our French people watching, but um, they would tie up their prisoner, um, each, each limb, to a different rope, and they would tie each of those ropes to four different horses. Let the imagination take it from there. I won't give you more details. But here's what's fascinating to me. The French had a unique name for this type of torture technique, and they called it distraction. Death by distraction. Being pulled in a number of different directions leading to an inability to keep it all together. And in a less gruesome way, but in as much of a personally detrimental way to you and to me, death by distraction is possible for you and for me. We kicked off a brand new series last week called Bend, Don't Break. And if you're with us or if you heard it and if you haven't, I want to encourage you to go catch up. Last week, I was very honest about how the Disney movie Encanto inspired this series title. Um, in fact, I got an Instagram message from somebody after last Sunday's message, and it started with, you inspired me too. And I thought, oh, this is great. And it said, you inspired me to watch Encanto. Um, <laughs> I was like, all right, we're doing this thing, church. But Ben, don't break. That, 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 that's kind of how life has felt like recently. And we said bending is certainly better than breaking, and we want to get better at bending before we get to the point of breaking. But what's true for so many of us is we've kind of lived our lives recently, I know it's been certainly true for me, in a constant state of bend, don't break. And when something bends long enough, it'll break eventually, even you and even me. That life over the past couple of years, past six months, even as, you know, 2021 kind of just fell into 2022, like, did we really get a restart? It just kind of felt like a lot of surviving and not thriving. It's certainly been true for me, and I would imagine maybe it's been true for you. And we put some words around some of the common emotion that we might have been feeling, some words around what life has felt like recently. And just by way of review, we said that we've all felt just overwhelmed, like we're just carrying so much Overcommitted, we're just doing so much and overexposed. We're seeing so much and processing so much on a totally different level because of the digital age that we live in and the way that news and world travels today. And we said that um, it, it takes a toll on our minds and our souls and on our bodies and ultimately on our souls. It starts to deplete us at way beyond just the physical level, but it starts to get into the deepest parts of who we are and our souls begin to be 
affected. And this morning, I want to tease, I tease to it, but I want to talk about a much more subtle enemy of the soul, but one that surely will lead to destruction, one that will surely begin to eat us from the inside out, and that is the distractions that we live with, the distractions that are all around us day in and day out, and I think definitions are important, and so here's how I'm defining distractions for the purpose of our conversation this morning. A distraction is that which pulls our attention away from what matters most. That which pulls our attention, that you and I day in and day out are pulled in a number of different directions. And a distraction specifically is one not just that pulls our time or our energy or or actually what we're doing. No, no, it pulls our attention away from that which matters most. And I specifically use the word attention. If I were to ask you what is your most um, precious commodity that you have, but most of you would say your time. And while that is certainly one of them, I would argue your attention and my attention is actually the most precious commodity that we have. Like time, it's limited. And like time, we decide what to do with it. But here's what makes attention a little bit different is that what it actually leads to. Uh, Poet Mary Oliver, she said this. She said, attention is the beginning of devotion. That what we give our attention to ultimately shows us what we are devoted to. And by devotion, I mean what we value the most, what we prioritize the most. And the reason why that matters is because what we prioritize and what we value ultimately determines who we become. So who you and I are becoming, the people that we are becoming, and the lives that we are leading, you go back far enough and it starts with, where is our attention going? Who or what are we giving our attention to? or failing to give it to. Have you ever noticed how we tell people to pay attention? Like costs you something. It's a commodity. It's something that is precious. It's limited. And ultimately, it will lead and determine what you're devoted to, which will determine who you and I become. And so I think a question that is worth asking is what is getting your attention? Like when's the last time you audited or examined where your attention is going and ask the question whether or not where your attention is going, all the different ways that it's being pulled, is it leading you to more love, joy, and peace in your life? Is it making you more of a person of love, more of a person that experiences and lives with peace and joy? If it's not, I think that should sound off some alarms because here's what's true. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, one thing that is true for all of us on Imagine is who wouldn't want life to be full of more love, joy, and peace? And what you need to know is that Jesus, at the center of what he wants for your life, especially in his relationship with him, is for you to experience love, joy, and peace. But the problem is so many of us are giving our attention away, being distracted in a number of different directions, and we're not experiencing as much love, joy, and peace as we would like. And so what is getting your attention? Or maybe a a better way to ask the question is this. What are you distracted from that you should be devoted to? What are you distracted from? What is getting your attention? But something else should be getting it instead. Come on, you know this, right? We live in a world that is vying for our attention every single day. You don't need me to convince you of this. 
Like, like for some of us, we're just distracted by the busyness of life and we really dug our heels in and talked about this a little bit last week, but we're distracted just by the going and the going and the doing and the doing and the working and the raising and the texting and the emailing and the home improvement and the honey to-do list and the calling and the appointments and just the busyness and the craziness of life, the dropping the kids off here, the going here, I've gotta wake up, I gotta get this done. It's just life to some degree. Now, Corey Tim Boone, she wrote this, and this is just might hit some of you straight in the heart like it does for me. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy because either way, your soul will shrivel. That's sin and busyness. And I don't mean just doing like, like extreme business, out of control business, where you're just going at such a pace that you can't even catch your breath. It has the same consequence of sin. It, it disconnects us from God. It disconnects us from people. It even, to some degree, watch this, and you, you've felt this if you've been terribly busy. It disconnects us from what it means to be human. To stop and to catch your breath is one thing when you run up the stairs too fast. Anybody, right? Um, but when you're going and going and going in all the busyness, it's like your body is moving faster than your soul. And it's those moments in the end of the day where you sit down and for the first time you feel like you're actually in the moment because you've created some space for your soul to catch up to your body. We're just distracted by the busyness of life. We're also distracted by technology and entertainment that is all around us. Come on, right? Like our phones. We, we, we have to keep coming back to this and, this, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, but the, the apps and the social media that are constantly getting our attention, we're getting notifications left and right, right? Maybe you're one of those people that keeps your phone on loud and, and you wanna throw your spouse's phone through the window because put it on vibrate, but it's the, the text message dinging, you're in the room or you're, you're hanging out with your kids or with your spouse and then you hear a notification. And even if you don't physically move, your attention is gone. How about Netflix? Like, think about this. Netflix literally asks us a question. Are you still watching? <laughs> Translation. Hey, uh, we've been here on this screen for a minute. Is everything okay? I mean, we just get lost. And again, look, I'm, I'm all about Netflix. I'm not saying it's evil, right? But next thing you know, we're, we get into the next one and then the next one, and we've wasted four hours, and it's like, where are the kids? You know, it's, it's like, where did it, where, 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 what did, what just, what just happened? There's so many things. Oh, well, the, the, new episode, the new season just dropped. The new episode just dropped. Technology, entertainment, it just, just, just distracts us. Um, and, and how many have thought this? I, I, if I don't say it every day, I probably feel it or think it every day. If only I had more time. <clears throat> had this thought yesterday. If my phone could talk to me, which I, which I know it kind of can because of Siri, but, but you know what I mean. Like if my phone could, could talk to me and I looked at my phone and I went to the screen time page and I told it I don't have enough time what my phone would say to me, my iPhone would laugh at me if I told it that I didn't have enough time. Come on, maybe, maybe for you it'd, it'd be the same. Maybe I don't have enough time. What would your screen time say about how much time you were distracted with your phone? I mean, technology, and then, and then, and we dug in this a little bit last week too, but can I just take it a step further? We're distracted by, by worldviews. Last week we called them the yoke of the world, the teachings of the world. We're distracted by the worldviews that say, the faster you go, the better you'll be. The, 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 the distracted by the worldview, it says, according that, that your value is, is attained by how well you do at work and that succeeding at work means you are succeeding at life. 
or that the more you earn, the happier you'll be, no matter what it costs you. All of that. Distracting. Feeling like you've got to put out some kind of image to the rest of the world on social media to know that you are okay. Come on. Distracting. We're distracted left and right. To such a degree that we are now, in a way like never before, being distracted from the present moment that we are currently living in. 2010, there was a a study done by two Harvard psychologists, um, Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert. And and this is what their study showed. You ready? This is is in 2010, 12 years ago. So you can only imagine how much worse it is today. Here's what this study found. That the average human, I'm a pretty average human, maybe below average height, but so this would certainly apply to me. Average human spends 47% of their waking hours thinking about something other than the moment that they are in. So for half the hours that we are awake, we are thinking about something other than the present moment than we are in. We are engaging with a thought, engaging with some kind of medium that is outside of what is in front of us, that is outside of the relationships in front of us, that is outside of the task at hand, that is outside of what we are currently experiencing. And this is what they wrote in their study. They said, the ability to think about what is not happening is a cognitive achievement that comes at an emotional cost. It's an incredible thing that we as humans have the brain power and we're created. It's what sets us apart in so many ways than than any other living creature. We can think outside of the moment and we can think into the future. And it's a cognitive achievement. It's an incredible way our brain works. But it does not come without an emotional cost when it gets out of control. Because you've probably heard this. And if you have a therapist or a counselor, they tell you this. I know my counselor tells me this. That there's more joy There's more peace to be experienced when you're able to be present. Talk a lot about mindfulness, being in the moment. Whenever you're experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety, what's say? Ground yourself to the moment. And we are living in a world so distracting that over half, probably at this point, of the moments we live, we are not living in the moment. Come on, what thrives when that's happening? We're distracted from what matters most and the things that will ultimately lead you and I to be people who experience love, joy, and peace. We're distracted from our faith. We're distracted from our family. We're distracted from our spouses that for some of us, for some of us, um, we've gotten so distracted by just, you know, you're doing life, but come on. It's so easy for me and Julie to say, we're going to do dinner at the couch instead of face-to-face at the table. That for some of us with our spouses, we're living more side by side than we are face to face. But you spend a lot of time together. Why? Because we're distracted by something that's right in front of us. We're we're distracted from our friends and life-giving community because we're always going and doing new. For some of us, we are distracted from our health. Our health, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically, all takes a back seat so that we can do whatever we need to do, so we can decompress however we need to decompress. We're being distracted. And here's just what's true about a distracted life. You know this. You don't need me to convince you of this, but a distracted life leads to disordered priorities. You don't know what's up from down, what's left, right. You're just going, 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 being pulled in a number of different directions. A distracted life keeps us from the beauty of the present. And a distracted life limits our capacity for love, joy, and peace. Because a distracted life is when the urgent 
always crowds out what's most important. The louder it is, the more attention it gets. A distracted life, relationships that deserve our best don't get our best. Relationships that deserve our best might get half our best at best. A distracted life is when faith, for those of you that are Jesus followers, turns into a one-hour activity on a Sunday. It's a danger for all of us. And there's this moment in Luke chapter 10 where we're gonna spend a few minutes. Jesus has this interaction with two women, Martha and Mary, their sisters, and it might be one of the most relatable passages recorded for us in all of the New Testament and all the Gospels. And I wanna jump into Luke chapter 10 and see what Jesus would speak into this moment that we might find ourselves in, potentially being distracted to death. Jesus, chapter 10, Luke 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So we've got two very different pictures going on here. These sisters, Jesus, the guest of honor at Martha's house. It's been unbelievable for Jesus to get to visit with them. And then you've got Mary, the younger sister, sitting at his feet. She's taking the posture of a disciple. She wants to learn from him. She's listening to the stories. She's soaking up everything that he has to say, all the wisdom that he's dropping, the I can't believe that happened. I mean, she's right there hanging on every word in the moment. Probably cannot believe that she's getting this kind of access to this rabbi. And then you've got Martha in the kitchen, slaving away, whipping up this meal for her guest, Jesus. I mean, she's got the hummus going, right? And yes, that's how you say it in Arabic, not hummus. Uh, but she's, she's, she's getting the Greek salad going. I mean, she's getting all this stuff. And, and, and here's what's so fascinating about this moment. That's exactly what anybody would have expected Martha to be doing. Because culturally, that's exactly what would have been appropriate. This is one of the few times in, in the scriptures where I don't need like a scholar to tell me what's happening because I get this. I understand the culture of having a guest in, in, in Middle Eastern culture. Whenever you have a guest in your home, it is of like the most utmost important. The reason why I understand this is because Martha is literally my grandma. <laughs> Martha is my mom. Not kidding. Like, I, like if you were to come to my parents' house, my mom might ask you if you were hungry before she asked you what your name was. They gotta take care of their guests. It's a pretty incredible thing. It's, hospitality is like top of the tops. You've got a guest. They are the most important thing, and it's a beautiful thing. My dad, I didn't even tell y'all I was telling this story. My dad uh, tells this story. I was talking about my parents who are right here in the front row. My dad tells a story um, when my parents, they got married, um, born in Israel, when they got married um, in Israel, and then they moved back here. This is where we were born. My dad tells a story that uh, soon after they were married, moved back here to the States, they were having dinner with some of his American friends, and I think I might get the details foggy, but they were having hamburgers. And so they ate and then they're leaving and they get in the car and my mom is like, hey, Suhail, can we stop by like McDonald's? I'm still a little bit hungry. And he's like, Marie, we just had dinner. And she says, yeah, but like when I finished my meal, they didn't offer me more. So I didn't know what to do. 
And he's like, hey, in America, you just gotta take it yourself. <laughs> because if you were to go to dinner at my parents' house and you finished your plate, whether you wanted it or not, there is more coming. <laughs> and if you say no, they don't listen. <laughs> They'll argue with you. No, 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 you need more. Literally, my mom does it to me. You didn't eat enough. I'm like, mom, I'm not shy. It's my house. Like, I live here with you, you know? Hospitality, taking care of the guests. This is exactly what's happening here. So Martha isn't doing anything wrong. Like, this just makes sense. And for her to have Jesus at the house, what a moment. She would have heard of this rabbi that was just different, doing incredible miracles, literally flipping the first century upside down. So Mary right there at his feet listening to the story. Martha wanting to honor her guest. But Martha, and a lot of us get this, especially the wives and the moms. She's in there whipping up the hummus. And she's like, why is Mary just sitting there? Must be nice. Huh. This meal ain't gonna cook itself. Mary. Okay, Mary, see if this tastes good, Mary. She's, she's, riled, she's getting riled up. She's getting upset. She's like, oh, funny joke, Mary, you know? Yeah, y'all get it. <laughs> On behalf of all the husbands or whoever it is that doesn't cook, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> to all of you that do. But so she's like, she's getting upset. And she's starting to like get frustrated. Why do I have to do this all by myself? I'm preparing this massive meal. Why do I need to, like Mary should be helping me. Like we've got to take care of Jesus. So Mary, Martha does what any other adult would have done. She goes to tell Jesus. Verse 40, she goes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister Mary has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. It's so relatable. Like, I, this meal isn't gonna cook itself. I just pur I burned three pitas because I was trying to do it on my own. Like, can, can she come help me? And then Jesus, what I believe to be one of the most profound things in all of the New Testament, one of the most profound things I think he said in all of the Gospels, he looks at her and he says, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice. It's an emotion appeal. You can tell he's, you can hear him say it. he's trying to, he's trying to calm her down. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And he says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. It's just so, it's just such real life. He says, look, you're worried and upset about a multitude of things. And I take Jesus pretty literally here. The way I interpret this scripture here is that he's talking about, hey, Mary, you're trying to put together a five-course meal. We don't need all of these dishes. In fact, only one would be enough. You're worried and upset about trying to put together five things on the table. One would have been plain, and I bet you wouldn't be stressed and worried about that one thing. Jesus notices Mary's outward agitation is a sign of something else going on on the inside. In fact, Luke tells us that she was distracted. That's the only time that word is used in the entire New Testament. Luke is so intentional 
There's something going on. The frustration, it's way deeper than just Mary not helping, that Martha's distracted. She's upset, and she's not able to be in the moment, and she's, she's, she's even acting in a way she normally wouldn't act. Why? Because she's distracted. There's something going on on the inside. She's distracted. You and I are so often distracted. What Martha was not experiencing in that moment is any kind of peace, any kind of joy, and certainly no love towards to Mary. And you and I, in moments of distraction, being pulled in a number of different directions, not a lot of joy, not a lot of peace, and certainly not a lot of room for love. And I love what Jesus says to her. He doesn't say, this is so important, he doesn't say to Martha, hey, you chose wrong and Mary chose right. This is the brilliance of Jesus. He uses a comparative. He uses the word better. So the indication, it wasn't, hey, Martha, you chose wrong, so Mary chose right. He looked at her and he says, hey, listen, um, what you chose was fine, but Mary chose better. This is, this is really important. This is what I call the distraction dilemma. Even a good thing can distract you from a better thing. How many of you know you can have a good thing, then you can have a better thing? Chips and salsa, good thing. Chips, salsa, guac, and queso is better. <laughs> and here's the distraction dilemma and why it is so subtle and why it is so dangerous and deadly if we are not aware of it. Even a good thing can distract you from a better thing. In fact, like for, for most of us, like the things in our lives that are distractions in and of themselves, they're not evil or bad. Like, like work, I'm not saying work is evil. I love my job. Please, please, please work, you know? Like, don't like live your life. Oh, pastor said, don't get busy, so. I'm not writing a doctor's note, you know what I mean? Don't get fired in Jesus' name, please. <laughs> Work isn't evil. Like cell phones, and, and maybe you disagree, like in and of themselves, they're not evil. They're, they're a pretty incredible tool that makes us more productive. I love that I get to FaceTime with, with family and friends, family that lives all the way in Israel. Like there's a lot of cool things to it. I get to capture moments of, of my kids, which is really sweet. We're not gonna have like a burn your cell phone bonfire in the parking lot after service today, okay? I'm not saying our phones are evil. And come on, like busy? You've got to to some degree be busy. You know what I mean? Like that's just is life, you know? Wow, Jimmy, why are mom and dad not feeding us anymore? I don't know. They said they don't want to be busy anymore. Like you got, you <laughs> had to quit soccer. Why? Mom said we were too busy. You know, like you've got to figure, I get it. Like you're going to do life and, and you're going to be to some degree busy. Like that just is life. I'm not sitting here to tell you, you got to cut everything out of your life and, and not be busy. But here's the point. The things that distract us from what matters most in and of themselves are not bad or evil. But whenever they get to a place in our lives where they begin to distract us, to take our attention away from what is most important, that's when those things turn into distractions. It's not because they're bad. It's because they've got the wrong place in our lives. It's not because they're in and of themselves bad. It's because they're now stealing our attention from what matters most, and then they become unhealthy and hurtful to you and to me and keeping us from a place of love, joy, 
and peace. That's why Jesus so profoundly doesn't tell her about right or wrong. He just says, hey, Mary chose something better. Jesus here is making a broad point about priorities. Like, I don't read this passage. I don't think it's like a one-point application where it's like, okay, so here's what you gotta do. Just spend more time with Jesus. I don't think that was Jesus' singular focus. I do think in that moment, that was the example. In that moment, that was the example. Hey, Martha, you could have been hanging out with us. You could have been spending time with me. Instead, you were distracted by all your preparation. I think Jesus was taking that one instance as an example to make a broader point about our priorities. Do I think spending time with Jesus is of the utmost importance? Yes, I'm gonna get to that in just a second. But Jesus was saying, hey, how is it that you and I can keep distractions from stealing our attention from what matters most? Get our priorities right. Make clear the priorities in our life. You know what's so great about priorities? They're not about right or wrong. Like I'm not up here trying to get in a, in a, in a right or wrong about what your priorities should be. Priorities aren't about right or wrong. You know this. Priorities are about better and best. That's the nature of priorities. There's multiple things, but some are just better to be in certain places in our lives to create space for everything else. And every single day, watch this, you and I get to choose. We have been given this ability to choose what we do with our lives every day. We are the ones that get to choose what gets our attention. We are the ones that get to choose where it goes. So the question is, are we choosing well? That when Jesus looked at Mary, it wasn't, hey, you did it wrong. It was like, hey, look, if your priority had been spending time with us and prioritizing the relationship, man, you know what? You wouldn't have tried to cook up five different dishes. You would have just tried to do just one dish, created more space, created more margin for you to spend time with us. And then suddenly, guess what? You're not getting mad at Mary. You're not experiencing frustration and stress. Rather, you get to be in the moment. You could have got to spend time with us and experience joy, peace, and love. You and I get to choose. And here's what I know is true for me. My capacity to love is lower because people aren't getting my best when I'm distracted. My capacity to live with peace is lower because I'm always going and going and going when I'm distracted. And my capacity to experience joy is lower because I'm not in the moment when I am distracted. And I believe the same is true for you, that your capacity to love, your capacity to live with peace, and your capacity to experience joy is lower when we're distracted. And here's what's so great, and if you're not a Jesus follower, you're gonna love this. The most spiritual thing that you could do today, the most spiritual thing that you could do this week is make clear your priorities. The most spiritual thing that you could do this week, the most God-honoring thing you could do if you're not a Jesus follower, then you're not interested in honoring God. Okay, the best thing you could do for you and for all of us, the best thing that happened to your marriage this week, the best thing that happened to your relationship with your kids this week, the best thing that ever happened to your faith, if you have one this week, the best thing that happened to your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health, the best thing that happened to any of that this week, and the most spiritual thing that you could do is to figure out what your priorities are and what they should be. And have that begin to guide 
your life. Let me give you a math equation for the soul. You ready for this? If you're taking notes, I think this is worth writing down. I'm not a mathematician. I don't mind math, but I think this equation works out. You ready? I want you to identify distractions. Then you determine the priorities. I'm just telling you. You experience more love, joy, and peace. Like, identify the distractions. What are they? You know that they're there, so just call them out. Call them for what they are. What are they? Then once you figure out what the distractions are, then you've got to define, what are they keeping me from? What is my attention going to that's keeping me from from being devoted to the things I should be devoted to? Then determine the priorities. This is what should be happening with my time and with my attention day in and day out. And then as we begin to get that right, because for some of us, we're not even aware that we're distracted. So identifying them, this could be the win in and of itself. Then you set the priorities and then you get to experience more love, joy, and peace. And I don't ever want to ask you guys to do something that I'm not going to do myself. And I told you that this series is so deeply personal for me. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to do this equation right here in front of you. But you can't judge me. Promise? All right. Thank you. For me, for me, the two most distract, two, two, not, two, two good things on themselves, two things that distract me the most. And this is, this is stuff that I've, I've been like on this year journey where I'm seeing this, realizing, even just recently, and I'll fill you in on that, but it's two things. It's my work and my phone. My work and my phone. And just to be clear, I don't mean working on my phone. No, 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 no. This is real bad, y'all. It's work and then just like dumb stuff on my phone, like Instagram, Games that I should not be playing at 33 years old. (laughs) And it's subtle. You know, I love my job and I love to work. It's an honor of my life to lead the college ministry here. It's an honor of my life to get to lead this church and work with some incredible staff. And I take what I do so personally and deeply. And I, you know, my phone, it's like, ah, it's a great way to decompress. And, but then I just started noticing patterns in my life where I knew my priorities were just off started noticing things where it's like, ah, that's something's not right there. Like, for example, my mornings tend to be a very sacred time for me. It's when I like to spend time with Jesus. I get my heart right before the day. And then as I, we started having kids, it's a time for me to spend time with my kids before I go to work for eight hours a day. But then I started noticing something. I would, especially, to, you know, whenever I'm at work and it's like a busy season or whatever, I started noticing I'd get up in the morning and I'd be a little bit stressed about work, so I'd jump into my email inbox really, really quickly. Or I'd start working on a sermon first thing in the morning when I woke up. And then I started noticing when I was really in it, my kids would get up and I'd give them a hug and say good morning. Then I'd put them on the couch and say, do you wanna watch a show? So they would be distracted so that I could get my work done. And then I started noticing there's a few things that, that I like to do for Julie before I leave for work. Little things, empty the dishwasher, make sure the trash is out. I started noticing those things sometimes stopped getting done because I was doing work. I started noticing I would get to work and I'd feel behind and my work that hadn't even started yet. But it was because I didn't get as much done or sometimes I'd leave the house frustrated and flustered with my kids because they were distracting me because I couldn't get work done. But I was at home. I'd be driving to work and I'd be upset and not sure why. Not a lot of peace, not a lot of joy, not a lot of love for my kids in those moments in the way that I was acting. And then I'd notice I'd come home from work 
And I'd leave work at work sometimes, but then I'd be like, man, I need to decompress. And so it's so easy for me mindlessly just to get on my phone. I'd be in the playroom with Harper. And this one, it's, I, I, get a, I get a little emotional. It, this was like a wake-up call. I remember when we were playing one day, and, and she was like, Daddy, will you come play with me? Which I learned as a parent, that's your kid saying they want your attention. I was like, yeah, of course I can come play with you. And so I go sit in the living uh, in the playroom, and without even thinking, I'm not choosing it. This is why this is so dangerous. I want to hang out with Harper, but I'm so conditioned. I'm not even thinking. I got my phone out immediately on Instagram. And she looked at me, and my three-year-old daughter said, Dad, can you put your phone down? And it's funny. And it's also just sad and embarrassing. Here's my kid. Like, I love her it, it, so much it hurts. And one day I'd do anything to, to play in the playroom with her. I'd do anything for her to want to play with me. Soon she's not going to want anything to do with me. And I'm on my stupid phone. I didn't know what was happening until she said it. And it's like, oh my gosh, something, something's off, you know? Work can sometimes get so busy and we get in the busy, busy and me and Julie were actually just talking just recently, just literally two days ago as we're process, I'm processing this stuff with her. She's like, hey, we've, we've gotten lazy with our date nights. You know, like she's going all day with the kids and I'm going all day. We're both going all day. And then it's like the second we get to breathe, we just kind of want to veg out. And it's like, ah, we've been doing too much side to side. We've got to get better. So just yesterday, we were talking about it. She was like, hey, we need, I was like, we need to get better days. She's like, we got better days. So she's like, okay, you, you own that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> but I'm saying it's so important, so important. And so there's a couple things. I'm like, man, some stuff's got to change. So for me, like I've got three new filters. Not, they're not new, but it's like a realigned filter, like three part. When I leave, and in the morning, this is, this is, this is a success for my morning. It's real simple. I'm not wasting time on Instagram. I'm not wasting time working. No, no, in the morning before I leave for work, I got three priorities. I wanna spend time with Jesus. I wanna play with my kids. I wanna serve my wife. And when I do that, my drive at work to work, man, it's so much more full. I get to create memories with my kids. I filled up my soul by spending time with Jesus. And I've served my wife. I made her coffee. Make her toast. Got the dishes out. Make sure the sink was empty. Got the trash out so she wouldn't have to worry. Way more joy. Way more love. Way more peace. And when I come home, and I'm not perfect. Just ask my sister, my parents, my wife. I'm working though. I really am. Try to put my phone down. Just so I can just spend time with my kids. Awareness is half of the battle, my friends. So, I just got honest. Maybe too honest. Now go home, judge me. That's fine. Just kidding. Don't. That's mean. But identify. Identify the distractions. And then determine the priorities. And guess what? You'll experience more peace, love, and joy. Suddenly your faith gets your, gets, gets, gets your best. Your relationships that matter most get your best. And then, you know the beautiful thing about priorities? When you get those right, it just tends to make room for everything else that you need to get done. So, I wanna give you three questions really quickly. These are worth writing down. I'm just gonna fly through them because they're meant for you to process on your own, okay? And the first one is this. 
How do you start your day? I accidentally stepped on your toes on that one, didn't I? But really, I'm being serious. How do you start your day? I don't like to make, well, if it's on your phone, you're doing it wrong. It's the app or the news or the this. Come on. You can do better. I can do better. Your soul needs better. Your family needs better. Your heart needs better. And, and let me, let's just, let's just a little, just, you probably know this. This is just for me. What's best for me and the world around me is when Jesus gets the priority of my day. That for some of us, come on, for some of us, when we don't start our day with any kind of scripture or prayer or journaling or connecting with our heavenly father, watch this, we risk going the whole day forgetting that he's with us. There's like an awareness piece that sometimes we go our day and it's like we're not even aware that God is with us because we were distracted from spending any time with him in the first place. The best thing for your heart, the best thing for mine is to let his grace and his truth and his words speak to my heart. And I can tell when it's happening. People around me can tell when it's happening and when it isn't. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you're like, ah, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not interested in spending time with Jesus. That's fine. You still shouldn't go to your phone, man. Read a book, meditate, do something that exercises your mind and your heart rather than just going to some kind of technology that's gonna stress us out before 8 a.m. How do you start your day? Uh, the, the second question, this is a big one. What can only you do? Oh man, what can only you do? Come on. This one really, this lends itself to the relationships. Come on. Only you can be a dad. Only you can be a mom. Only you can be a son. Only you can be a daughter. Only you can be a husband. Only you can be a wife. Come on, what can only you do? Or who can you only be to a certain person? Here's what I've learned. Yes, relationships are time consuming. You'll rarely regret prioritizing them. So spend time with your parents. I know there's some kids in here. Spend time with them, even if they're a little annoying. But really, come on, start planning date nights, spouses. Don't get over being married and stop dating. Date your spouse. Come on, plan a date night. Give your kids their undivided attention. Spend some time with that friend that gives you life and you've just been too busy. What can only you do? And then lastly, where can you choose better? There's a catch-all. Where can you choose better? Come on, you know this. Where can you choose better? Where can you choose better? Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to email me. You don't have to ever tell me. Just be honest with yourself. You owe it to yourself. Where can you choose better? And you already know the answer. If you're really brave, ask someone you trust. How about that for a fun conversation on the way home with your spouse? I dare you to ask, hey, how can I choose better? And don't be defensive do it. Like what boundaries do you need to set? I love what author Annie Lamott said. No is a complete sentence. Where can you choose better? Every day we get to choose. Every day we get to choose where our attention goes. And it matters. Don't let the subtle distractions rob you of the life you really want, of the life Jesus wants for you, one of joy, Peace and love. So I want to close just with the question that we started with. What are you distracted from that you should be devoted to?
getting this one right could change everything. And getting this one right will keep you from getting to a place where you've bent for so long, it'll keep you from that breaking point. But only you can answer this question and only you can do something about it. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm gonna, the band's gonna come up here. In just a second, they're gonna sing a song and you can do whatever you want in this moment over this next song. You can sit, you can pray. We're gonna put the words up on the screen and we just wanna create space for you to process this, to process what you might be being, dis, being distracted from that you should be devoted to. Do business with God, do business in your heart. In fact, the words, like, there's not gonna be like video of the band behind the words. It's gonna be just the words for us to not be distracted by anything, to create some space for us to process this together. So do whatever you want, whatever you need in these next few moments. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're with us. And I pray you would help us, give us the eyes and give us the courage to figure out what we're being distracted from and help us choose well to be devoted to the right things. In Jesus' name, amen.